I am working under the vision of our lead pastor. The worship pastor is not the tip of the spear. They're not. They they report to, they serve under, they learn under. They are to submit to the leadership of the senior pastor. And sometimes you just have to trust their direction and trust that that they know what's best because ultimately as ministers, as pastors, God will hold us all accountable for our work. But the ultimate accountability lies with them. You gotta think about that's a that's a heavy burden to bear. And so I don't know what they're walking with. I don't know the things that's keeping them up at night. Probably way more stuff than that I have to deal with. What is up everybody? Welcome to episode 27 of the Preaching Donkey podcast. My name is Lane. I am your humble host. If you're new to Preaching Donkey, welcome. So glad that you're here. I started Preaching Donkey back in 2014 just to help preachers communicate better because I think that we have the most important message in the world, the gospel, so I want to make sure that it's getting out and it's being understood. So we help preachers with how to communicate, how to get their message across, how to write and deliver sermons, and you can find out everything you want to know at preachingdonkey.com, and you can also check out a special gift from me to you, preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. You can pick up my 21-day guide to creating killer sermons, which is just a three-week three-step process that will help you create and deliver life-changing messages so that you can preach and lead with the absolute best capacity that you can bring to the table. That's my goal is to bring the best out of you. I coach a lot of preachers all over the world and here in the U.S., and we do sermon evaluations, we do one-on-one coaching and consulting with churches, and we have various online courses and other material, but the heart of all of it is life change. We want to see preaching at its best. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to give this video a like. If you like the interview today, if you like this episode, subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. If you're listening over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Pandora or iHeartRadio or Amazon or wherever you're listening, so glad that you are. Be sure to leave us a review, especially if it's five stars. If it's not, don't worry, don't bother with it. In this episode, I'm interviewing a good friend of mine. His name is Jameson Reynolds. We go way back. We've been friends since high school, there's a really cool story towards the end of our interview that I want you to hear because it's very personal to me and it has a lot to do with why I'm in ministry and why I ended up where I am today talking to you on this podcast. And so that is something that you're, I think you're really going to enjoy out of this episode. But we're also going to get into the relationship between the worship pastor and the lead pastor. In addition to talking about systems and the importance of having systems, the importance of having a culture of evaluation and how vital trust is on a team no matter what level you are on that team. So I think there's something in this for everybody, but especially if you are a lead pastor or a worship pastor, the dynamic between that relationship is so vital. I think this episode is going to serve you well in that capacity. So without any further delay, let's get to the interview with my good friend, Jameson Reynolds. Jameson, my good friend, it is so awesome to have you on the show today. Welcome, man. Man, I'm glad to be here, Lane. Uh, thank you for asking me to be on your podcast. Anytime I get to hang with you, whether it be in person or virtually, I look forward to it. Yeah. Well, it's awesome to have you on. I've talked a little bit about you and the context you're in and kind of our background, but if you could, could you just share a little bit of kind of what brought you to where you are in your position, in ministry, things like that? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll do the quick and dirty version of, of everything. I am an only child to a single mom, and I grew up 
in church. Um, early on, we didn't go to church. Um, first few years of our life, we, we kind of just did our own thing. And um, as I got into elementary school, I started, you know, hearing about church from my friends at school, wanted to go to church. And so um, long story short, my mom ended up serving at uh, Mustang United Methodist Church in Mustang, our, our hometown. And she's been on staff there for uh, close to 30 years now at this point. And so I grew up uh, a church kid. I uh, gave my life to Christ at six years old um, and felt a call to ministry early on in life. Didn't really know what that meant as a kid. I, I don't really know what like 10 or 11 year old really gets that or understands that. Um, but it started to make more sense later on um, as I approached college and, and, and knew that uh, God had called me in ministry. I didn't know what that looked like at the time. I was leading worship and doing music. And I just thought, well, I'll just be obedient to this and, and keep keep doing this and see what kind of doors God opens for me. And so uh, I had I had a worship band that we would do stuff in college where um, we would play at youth camps, student events, you know, special services, worship nights. And it was really crazy. There was a point in the middle of college where I had a part time job, but I also had this this worship band and we were beginning to play so much that I was like, I'm going to have to quit this part time job. Like I don't have time in my schedule. I'm having to ask off literally every weekend, multiple weeks out of the summer. And so it was a little leap of faith there to trust God that, to take care of me financially and that this is what he wanted. And I know it was crazy how it worked out. Um, went to University of Central Oklahoma in Edmond with you. We were both Bronchos. Uh, and so graduated from there um, and was was working uh, part time at a, a church in Yukon, Oklahoma called Trinity Baptist at Yukon. And um, so did that part time, was leading worship there. And, and that was my first full time job after I graduated college and, and spent some time there. Um, that's where I met my wife. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Ashley. It's been a little over 13 years now. We've got three girls. Um, we stepped away from that church for a bit. Just felt like it was, uh, I really needed to ask like, hey God, I'm, I'm in student ministry. Uh, I know I'm not going to be doing this forever. Um, I'm doing worship in student ministry, but God, you have not called me. It's very clear by now. You have not called me to be in student ministry for a while. And so, so uh, I ended up working at a, a studio and a Christian publishing company for about three years, all the while knowing that it was a very temporary situation and, and God would move us at some point. Uh, but in January of 2010, I started this conversation with a friend and a pastor who wanted to plant a church here in Tulsa. And so, so Labor Day 2010, we, uh, me and my wife and our our one-year-old daughter, we moved to Tulsa to help plant a church, and we never thought that would be on our horizon. Um, that was It took a giant leap of faith. We had never really, neither one of us had never really moved uh, farther than an hour or two hours from, from our, our hometowns, and so that was scary. We, we'd only been married for a couple of years. We had a brand new baby, and so that was scary, but you know, God was good, and God provided for us. And So I spent about six years uh, at that church, and uh, I was the worship pastor. I was the media pastor. I was a video pastor. When it's a small church plant, a lot of people on here can relate to you wear a lot of hats and I did all kinds of stuff and I loved it. Uh, but I knew God wasn't going to keep us there forever. And he was, he was moving us out of that role. And in, in February of 2016, I came to Battle Creek church here in Tulsa. So I've been here a little over five years and they were, they were planting a new campus as well. Uh, Battle Creek church is a multi-site campus in Tulsa. We have six Tulsa area campuses and three international campuses in uh, Egypt and in Jordan. Uh, and so it was crazy because 
this church wasn't on my radar and this move wasn't on our radar, but, but when God started moving things along, it, it all made sense. And I was like, okay, I've done this church plant before. And you're telling me like, it's, it's a campus. Like we're going to have the funding and the support and all this of a, of a huge church. Like, bro, we got this, this is gonna be fun. Like I, I'm super excited about this. And so I've been at Battle Creek for a little over five years. And, you know, the first three and a half years I spent at a, one of our campuses, our South Tulsa campus, I was just a, a campus worship pastor. And it was a smaller staff on, on our campus level. We have about six people on staff and you're really kind of uh, on the ground floor of, of growing a campus and growing a small church inside of a church. Um, but in September, uh, I think it was 2019, uh, I got the promotion to be the lead worship pastor here at our central campus in Broken Arrow. And about seven months into that position, I, I also received another promotion to be our experienced pastor, which is a, is a weird is a weird word. A lot of people maybe don't understand that in the multi-site world. Basically, part of my job is I, I oversee our other six campus worship pastors, but I also help oversee our, our worship experience on Sunday mornings as a whole. Uh, in this new role as the experienced pastor, I get to work alongside very closely with our senior pastor and kind of capturing his vision that he casts for our church. And how do we carry that out? How do we uh, create dynamic uh, series and, and moments, sermon illustrations, uh, stuff like that uh, with him? And so I, I, it is a lot more uh, a lot more administration than just the normal uh, music guy at a church. And it's a lot more dealing with, with other people and, and multi-levels of this organization. So that is where I'm at today. So you've had a lot of experience from, as you said, student ministry and, and music to a church plant in which you're doing everything to now a very specialized yeah. role. Yeah. Along the way, when you think about the role that you're in now, what are some unique things about the role that you're in that uh, lessons that you've learned, things that you've applied that could maybe help some people listening who might be in similar positions where they're not the lead pastor, but they work with the lead pastor and they need to be able to influence what's going on and they need to be sharp and effective at what they're doing? So one of the things I've, I've learned a lot in the past five years, and especially when I moved into the central campus and to more of a central role is for me personally is, is I am a big planner. I believe the Holy spirit can work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, as well as Sunday. I like to plan ahead. I like to have contingencies from my plan in case things go wrong, not just a plan A, but a plan B and a C. But what I've, what I've really learned in the central role is you know, it's good to have plans. We, we want to have plans and we want to make sure we have backup plans, but it's okay to be in a place where God can interrupt those plans. And another thing I've learned in this is really a part of my role. It's, it's almost like I'm in the customer service industry. I'm here to serve the, the vision and the needs of my senior pastor, which can sometimes change quickly. I'm also here to serve the needs and the vision of our of our teams, like our worship teams, our experience teams, our creative teams, our content teams, as well as I'm here to serve these other worship pastors and our congregation as a whole. Um, so I've tried to look at things much through that lens and not not hold so tightly to my plans. Um, I'm not sure uh, if you're super familiar with the Enneagram. We've talked about that a lot at our church. 
and a lot of pastors. You see a lot of threes, a lot of achievers as pastors, and a lot of eights and a lot of challengers. And one of the things you don't see a lot in music is for someone to be a, a one, which is a reformer, which is I am. I'm a one. So it, you're like, well, that's weird. That doesn't make sense. Like that doesn't, you don't fit the mold as far as a lot of worship guys are like sleep in till nine, you know, plan your set at the last minute, <laughs> like very bad at communicating, like all the stuff that wouldn't honestly work very well in my role. So all of that to say, I just had to learn to be flexible, man. I've had to learn to be flexible. And I told someone yesterday, I've had to learn to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, I get uncomfortable, uh, not always having a plan. That's interesting. The dynamic between the lead pastor or the senior pastor and other kind of top level staff, that relationship, whether you are the person working with the lead pastor and that number two or number three role, or you are the lead pastor, you have to be flexible on both ends. And I think uh, there has to be a level of, I've made this plan, but I want to carry out your vision. And there has to be a level on the lead pastor to say, I want to carry out my vision, but I also want what's in the best interest of the rest of the team and the congregation. So it's a very important dance that you do. And it seems like the larger the organization gets, the more that relationship has to be really, really on point. So that kind of flexibility and also that level of planning requires systems. And I know you're a huge systems guy. So can you kind of tell me a little bit of the tools you use, how you use them, and what we can learn from that? Systems are huge. And a book that I read a couple of years back um, really helped form my view on that and, and helped me tap into that. And Atomic Habits by James Clear, he has this super simple statement. He says, hey, don't make goals, make systems, make systems that will help you achieve your goals. And so you, you kind of reverse engineer that. So some of the some of the systems that, that we have in place, I mean, our biggest thing that it's not super new to a lot of people, um, but it's planning center online. So much of what we do on a Sunday morning, basically everything we do on a Sunday morning lives and takes place on Planning Center Online. And so our, our worship team houses everything there, our production team, our pastor. Um, and it was crazy. I We used Planning Center at my old church, um, but I didn't know like the level of detail that you could get into with some of the stuff we we do here now. We, we like I said, everything lives there. Cloud-based services like Dropbox, like SharePoint, like iCloud, like Google, Microsoft Teams. In an organization our size, we have to have everything cloud-based um, because we have six six different campuses. And so, you know, on a Sunday morning, if we film a testimony video that all campus, all six campuses will show, we have like a very dedicated file structures where uh, the people at the campus level can know where to find the video or know where to find the slide or the collateral that they need. Um, and so we've, we've done training on our systems as far as, hey, this is where stuff online will live. Um, this is where to go to find it. For me, inside of Planning Center, I've also used their reports features a lot. Uh, a lot of times in, in services and planning church services, especially when it comes to music, a lot of times we rely on our feelings. And if there's a particular song that we like a lot, we may be okay with singing it more. And our brain's like, well, it doesn't feel like we've done it that much. Or maybe there's a song that you're just not into, or, or maybe you're not sure is going over well. Um, you could be like, oh, we've done it. We've done it so many times. And so I like to try to take the guesswork out of that. And I will run uh, planning center reports on the songs and I will uh, narrow the field. So, okay, 
in the last month, how many songs have we done over the last three months? How many songs have we done? How many times have we done it? What are new songs? Uh, and then, you know, you can run custom reports. And so for me, that's super powerful. I can make informed decisions based on facts and metrics rather than based on feelings. Because I mean, I'm victim to it too, where I will be like, man, we just, we've played that one song so much. And I'm like, actually, we really haven't. I've just, I've been, I've been overplaying it in my mind. Um, so that's another system I use. Uh, I'm a big fan of whiteboards. I have a whiteboard behind me. I don't know if you would, would call this a system, um, but one of our other worship, our campus worship pastors, I visited his campus and, and kind of learned this from him. Um, I'm very visual. I like seeing like macro levels when, when planning a Sunday morning. I, I don't like just seeing that one Sunday morning. I like to look at the Sunday before and the, and the upcoming Sundays or maybe look at them in totality. And so we have these little uh, they're like static cling sticky notes that you can put up and down and, and schedule them and, and move them around. And so for me, I will I will just put the put like song titles and the artist name on there. And so I can, you know, plan like, this is this Sunday, this is next Sunday, this is the 16th, this is the 23rd of May. I'm the same way where seeing it visually is so important, especially when you're kind of, uh, like you said, ideating, which is not only a fun word to say, it's fun to do uh, because you're able to kind of see what it looks like. When you're talking about the difference between the way you feel about something versus empirical data, I think so many pastors have a very hard time distinguishing, and especially when we, like you said, when we like something, I mean, how many times in your, you know, couple decades of experience, have you had a lead pastor tell you, we need to do X, Y, Z song. Cause I heard it in my car the other day and it moved me. Right. Yeah. And, and it may be a great idea or it may not be, but we, we go based on feelings. So if you're thinking about an experience, because so many people listening are, not only pastors who preach, but are pastors who are also looking at the experience, just like you, trying to figure out how do we make this Sunday, how do we make this service uh, the best it can be, take people on a journey, move them towards next steps and life change, create those moments. So when you're evaluating an experience, how do you separate the way you felt about it, the way your team felt about it versus what you can measure? Walk me through, and, and maybe it's not either or, maybe it's both and, but how do you do that? We have a very high feedback culture here at Battle Creek, and we uh, do a lot of evaluations. We do a lot of debriefs. Anytime we have Easter services, we will get together and debrief. You have Christmas services, we'll debrief. And I will, I try to, to get those debriefs from as many different people. I will, I will do my own, kind of my own, this is my own personal debrief of how Easter went. Then I'll say, okay, let me see what the other five worship pastors, how did they debrief? And then I'll compile that. Uh, another big, another big system is I use the, the notes app on uh, my iPhone and my Mac. And so I can sync, I've got, I've got them broken down into folders. And so I literally have an, an Easter 2021. It was my ideas inside there, but also our debrief. So I have my debrief. I have all of our worship pastors debrief, and then I'll have our production team debrief. But then I will ask to just key people on our, on our, on our staff who, uh, who I value their wisdom and their insight and opinion. I will get their debrief and put it on there. So when planning Easter 2022, I have, Hey, this worked. Hey, this didn't work. This was, this went right. This was wrong. This was confusing. This was missing. We can look at all those things. And then we can also point to, Hey, what we want to do next year. And so 
we, we try to use that empirical data when, when measuring a service. We also, going back to Planning Center, um, our church is really big on Planning Center Live. Um, and so as a service is going on, someone on our production team, it may say, yeah, that first song, it says it's going to be five minutes, but you know, the band went super long and it was actually seven minutes. So next time you go look at that, maybe you can adjust those times in the service, but they also do that for when our, our senior pastor speaks. If say we have 40 minutes in there, they keep track of it for the entire time. So if he goes 40 or if he goes 42 or if he goes 50, he, he, cause he'll, he can come off stage and say, man, it, it felt long. And we can be like, well, I mean, you spoke for 55 minutes. So it was maybe 15 minutes longer than, than you thought you were going to, or, you know, so we can, we can use the data that way. We broadcast our message to our other five Tulsa campuses, but we also have been broadcasting online for years. And so last, last year when COVID hit, it wasn't a crazy hard shift for us to continue to do stuff online. That being said, we, our services are on YouTube. Our services are on Facebook. And so we can use the videotape to watch back every single uh, week. Our production team looks at the entire service, looks at the worship, looks at the pre-service, pre-service, worship, message, post-service, and they evaluate. I do the same thing and I keep, I keep Microsoft Word documents every week. Hey, what went great? What can we learn from? You know, and so I've got these records of these documents of, yeah, that man, that first time we introduced that song, it was not awesome. Or, hey, so-and-so, when when they led this particular song, like it's it's right in their wheelhouse. It was the perfect key for them. It was the perfect style of song. And that went really well and people responded. And so um, our, our church staff uh, last year, earlier in, in 20. 2020, maybe even at the end of 2019, we went through the book Great by Choice um, that talks a lot about the importance of gathering empirical data and making informed decisions from that empirical data. So that was a game changer for our whole staff. You know, it's it's interesting when you you talked about the evaluation process being immediate. And I, I think that's so vital because I can't tell you how many times if, especially if something is annual, like you mentioned Easter or Christmas, or even if we moved away from services and just thought about the initiatives and events that we do as churches, I can, I can tell you how many times I've sat around a table and if we didn't plan well in terms of when we did our evaluation, we're all trying to remember what, what we felt a year ago and you can't. Right. So, but when, when I can pull up a Google doc that has, here's what we did, here's how, here's what worked, here's what didn't, we can read through that as a team before the meeting and we're ready to evaluate based on actual data. And I think you can do that for those listening. You can do that with every service, but you can also do it with any initiative you do. And having some kind of system like that is really, really helpful. And I think the, the, the something you mentioned, I think is really important. A lot of people, when they think about evaluation, they think about critique. When they think critique, they think negative. Evaluation is everything. Evaluation is positive. What worked? What inspired me? What made me feel something? What what should we repeat and do again? Because it was just awesome. Um, So I just want to encourage anybody listening, and I know you would agree, don't be afraid of evaluation. Create that feedback culture and build in those systems. And what you'll find is that you're going to improve um, and so will your team. Just to speak to that, which is which is really cool. So two things. The first thing I was going to say is we had a meeting with our worship pastors yesterday and we were planning an upcoming worship night. We were literally talking about this prayer moment um, that we always. So when we do a worship night. We literally have a template in planning center. It's like, OK, let's pull that template from what we've done before, because we know this play works. 
But last time we had a worship night was in January, was in the height of kind of the COVID stuff. And so um, in previous years, we would call people forward to the altar and lay hands on them and pray over them for healing. We're like, guys, we cannot do this in January. Like, not going to happen. But it was funny. We had to change how we did things. And, and in that meeting, we were like, how did we do that moment? We know it worked really, really well. Um, gosh, and we were all kind of racking our brains. I was like, guys, I'll go back to planning center. I'll look at what we had the notes because we had specific notes. And so I saw that this morning, but then I was like, I'll also go on YouTube and just watch that portion of what we had. So we had it documented. It's just not like so many times in church or ministry, you can do something once. And then it's just like that cool idea just floats away into uh, the ether and you'll never, you'll just try to recreate it. Uh, The other thing I was going to say about feedback, what, what, makes it easier because feedback and evaluation can feel really uh, icky or weird or unnatural when you first start giving feedback or receiving feedback. One of the things that makes it so much easier at our campus is our pastor leads that top down. He will walk right off the stage and he will ask tons of people, hey, what, what, do, what do I need to do? How did that feel? Did that feel okay? Is there something I can do to get better? He asks and seeks out feedback. Um, And so when your senior leader is the one that is modeling it, um, it makes it a lot easier to receive feedback and it makes it a lot easier for you to ask for feedback because most of us, if we're honest, it's hard to ask for feedback because we just want to hear that we're awesome and we're great. And it was, I mean, I love Hearing when people say, man, you did so great. It's harder sometimes to say, hey, uh, I like that song. Maybe it was a half step too high for you. Or maybe you have somebody else lead it. You're like, it can feel, it can kind of sting at first. But if you're like, hey, if you truly believe that this person on your team has your best interest in mind, but also the organization's best interest in mind, it can take the sting out of it. Um, I'm not saying I'm awesome at receiving feedback or I've, I've perfected it because it's, you have to do it daily, man. You have to really put yourself back in that process and it can be hard. Yeah. I it's it's so much of it has to do a lot with who's giving the feedback. And if you, if there's trust, uh, the other you'll, you'll appreciate this. The other day I had, uh, somebody comment on YouTube and, and lecture me on how I was making my videos. And I, I wanted to say, well, give me a link to your channel so I can determine whether or not I'm going to have you as my mentor, you know, um, right? <laughs> because this rando on YouTube is, I don't care what they think, but when it's somebody that is uh, somebody that you trust, and especially like you said, right. if the lead pastor, and, and I know we have a lot of lead pastors that listen. We also have, like I said, a lot of people uh, on staff that aren't the lead pastor, but do have influence. If the lead pastor is untouchable from a uh, feedback perspective, that is the culture, and everyone yeah. is going to be insecure about feedback. Um, and by the way, the only feedback that the lead pastor is going to get is going to be positive because that's right. the only feedback that's safe. It's going to be, wow, that was awesome. And when he says, What did you guys think? everyone's going to say, We think it's awesome, right? Yeah. And, and we all know that they have thoughts, but no one's allowed to share. And the only way that people put themselves out on that limb is if the lead pastor invites them to. Sure. Um, and so that, that's, that's a huge, huge thing. And that's why I think your church has such a high standard of excellence because no one's above it. 
So let's let me let's talk about this the the dynamic that you've had through the years working with lead pastors. I know obviously you're working closely with your lead pastor now. wasn't always the case at Battle Creek, but you've worked with a lot of pastors throughout the years. So what perspective do you have as the worship pastor working with a a lead pastor and that dynamic? Uh, good situations, bad situations, things that you've learned from, and what kind of things do you think would be helpful to those listening? on either side. I try to come to work every day, humble and teachable. If I can be humble and if I can be teachable, then life for the most part is going to be pretty great for me at this job and really any job. And the reason I I focus so much on that is because as a young 20 something kid, I was not always humble. I was rarely humble and I was rarely teachable. I had so much passion and I had so many ideas and I had so much vision that I knew I knew what it took. I knew what exactly what we needed to do to have success. And if people could just get on board with my plans, we would we would definitely see some success. And so that that's tough because at the end of the day, it's like I said, I am I am in the customer service. I am working under the vision of our lead pastor. Um, the worship pastor is not the tip of the spear. They're not. They they report to. They serve under. They learn under. Um, they are to submit to the leadership of the senior pastor. And sometimes you, you just have to trust their direction and trust that, that they know what's best because ultimately in the, as, as ministers, as pastors, God will hold us all accountable for our work. We all have accountability to hold, but the ultimate accountability lies with them. And I mean, sometimes you got to think about that's a, that's a heavy burden to bear. And so I don't know what they're walking with. I don't know the things that's keeping them up at night, probably way more stuff than that I have to deal with. Um, but like I said, I haven't always been good with that. I, my, my passion and my knowledge and my vision, uh, it got in the way of any humility that, that I could try to have or, or being coachable. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll give you a good example. This, this last Easter, um, like I said, we try to plan our worship sets out for three weeks in advance. So we have the week of, the upcoming week and the week after. And especially around Easter, man, you're planning these big moments where you're going to do lights and lasers and crazy stuff. And um, you want to sing some specific songs around Easter. And it's like, how many songs are you doing? What's not too new? What's not too old? And so it's like a lot of things working in that. And it was just a few weeks before our, my pastor texted me on a Friday night, which by the way, doesn't do that a lot to a lot of people. And so I felt like I'm an insider. First of all, my pastor's texting me on a Friday night with an idea that he is passionate about. He said, Hey, there's this song that I really, I think it's going to be amazing on Easter. And I was just like, okay, this was nowhere on my radar at all. And so I was like, I just need to have the conversation with him and talk to him. So I get to work on Monday. I was like, Hey, tell me more about, help me understand what you're thinking. What's your vision for this moment? And I got to hear it straight from him. And I was like, okay, well, here's what we can do. Here are some, here are some ideas and we could do a, a, B or C. What do you think, man? Uh, and he's like, well, let's do this. And I was like, okay, we can do that. And so I go to our team. I said, Hey, our pastor is very passionate about this song and I think it's going to work. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to run this play. And it was so funny, man. Uh, Cause we had a, we had a good Friday service, uh, two Saturday night Easter services and, and two, uh, Sunday night Easter or Sunday, Sunday morning Easter services. And this was a new song we hadn't done before. And so for me, I was like, okay, this could be a risk, but we did it on good Friday. Uh, 
And we did that song also on our Saturday and Sunday Easter services. And that song went over, had more engagement, had more comments than any other song we did. So he was right. And it's not like, you know, it's not like he has some weird or special connection uh, with the Lord, uh, like where God gives him secret plays to run that will always work. But we, I trusted his direction, uh, even though it wasn't my idea. And we ran the play and we were all like, yeah, that was the right call. That was the right call being flexible on something where we had a plan in place. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a marker that we'll be able to point to of, we have a plan, we run the plan. And when God wants to interrupt our plan, let's be open to it. Um, because who knows what even cooler thing could happen out of that. So, yeah, that's huge. Cause I think there's, there's two ways you could have dealt with that. One way would have been, why am I getting a text on a Friday night? Right. That could have been number one. Number two, it could have been, uh, gosh, we already set this plan in motion. I'm going to have to now go to my team. And when you went to your team, that conversation could have been disloyal. In other words, I mean, you, you could have been right. pastor, you know, pastor wants to do this and, you know, we have to do it. And that would have shattered trust between you and him. It would have, it would have, Dude. uh, you know, under my, undercut his authority with, with your team. Um, and then, and then everybody would have had a kind of a bad attitude going into doing that song. So right. I think that's why ego in, in church work in any kind of work, but especially in, in ministry, your ego has to be held very loosely because yeah. you could have taken that and said, no, this is a threat. I'm competent. I'm the one that's that, you know, you do, you, you yeah. preach. I'm not trying to preach for you. Let me do music. You preach. We'll be good. So I think it says a lot of, um, a, a lot about your character that you took that path and were able to see like, Hey, sometimes it doesn't go according to my plan and that's okay. Well, and hear me, I've got it wrong way more than I've ever gotten it right. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to boost my ego and, and let your, your listeners and your, your viewers think that this guy's got it. I've gotten it way more wrong than I have. Right. And maybe a year or so ago, uh, I feel like God gave me this epiphany when I was at dinner with my wife, I was like, okay, like if, if I look, if we look at the senior pastor, almost as like the CEO or the head of a business or the head of an organization, because they are, they're the head of the organization. And if the very most important thing we do every single week programmatically is this hour on a Sunday morning. We, we all agree in our organization. The thing that is the biggest driver is our Sunday morning hour or hour and 15 minutes. If he's the lead and this is his thing, he's given me like a third of that piece of pie and a ton of freedom. So if every now and then he's like, wants to speak into a tiny thing, I, I surely should listen because he's letting me play inside of this massive thing that he's responsible for. I'm not responsible for it. He's responsible for it. Um, so that's, that's the, that's the, that's the talk I have to give myself. That's the talk I have to give our other worship pastors when, when he's like, Hey, all of our campuses are going to do this song and we're all going to do it here. I'm like, Hey guys, how many times do we have to have this conversation? Not very often. And Hey, this is, this is his thing that we are getting to serve inside. So let's, when it's not easy, let's try to serve with some humility and say, okay, we trust, we trust senior leadership. And the thing is, if you, you don't have that trust, it's just not going to work, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's huge. I mean, that takes, that takes, uh, that takes some give on his part. Like he has, he has to prove to be trustworthy and, and then you have to be gracious to give the trust. And I think it's, 
awesome that you're leading the team to do that as well. I want to shift uh, gears really quick as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up. This, this has been really good. You do a lot. One of the things you do is lead from the stage. And I know from watching you, you don't just lead songs. There's times where you have moments where you share, where you teach, yeah. where you lead in some way uh, with your spoken word. So most of my audience is pastors who preach. Sure. When you're communicating in those moments, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to make people feel? And, and what is your approach going into that kind of thing? Yeah. So a couple things on that. Um, I, number one, I try not to, to create stuff in a vacuum. I try not to create worship sets in a vacuum. I try not to create spiritual direction moments in a vacuum. And that, again, our, our lead pastor uh, sets that example uh, on Mondays and Tuesdays of every single week. He has a sermon content team that meets for an hour and a half where they help shape. He's not creating his messages in a vacuum. And so again, there's that top-down leadership. Um, I will give a good example. Uh, this last Sunday, I was not leading worship from the stage. One of our campus worship pastors was here at our central campus. And I was going to go, I was going to go observe one of our other campuses. I was just going to be a fly on the wall, uh, be there to encourage the team, pray for them, and just to kind of be there to observe and support just from, from the congregation. And as I was driving over there, I got this phone call that our, that the worship pastor at this campus was not only going to lead worship, but he was also going to host and take care of welcoming guests, offering and announcements and transitioning into our online feed. And so I know from being in that position that those are literally two different parts of your brain leading worship and then speaking from stage. Um, and so I was like, man, I just asked him, I was like, Hey, do you want me to take that off your plate? I was like, I'm not trying to insert myself into this service. I just, can I help you by taking this off your plate? He's like, that'd be great, man. I would love it. And he's like, and then I could kind of see how you're doing it and then, and do that at the later service. Um, and so we talked through, all right, these are, and I already knew what the key announcements were for the day. And so one of them was, uh, we have a student outreach event tonight and this is a, this is a big driver of evangelism. We're trying to bring in kids that aren't normally in church. And so in my head, I was like, okay, what's the win? of this event. I'm announcing this event, but I don't want to just be like, yeah, man, it's awesome. You're going to be there. You don't want to miss it. Use all this church or garden jargon. Like, giant Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be awesome. My wife's super high, you know, like the typical stuff. But I was like, okay, what's, what's the purpose of the event? What's the win of the event? And so I was looking at that. So I'm able to give the announcement of, Hey, this is an outreach event. I would love for your kids to be inviting friends because we're going to talk about our student camp a lot at this event. And our student camp is highly evangelistic. We see people every single year. We see tens to hundreds of kids every summer um, say yes to Jesus for the first time and get baptized. And so I told that church, I was like, hey, this is a great event and it's evangelistic, but it's leading into to camp. And I'm not saying come to camp because it's awesome. It's going to be fun. What we do at camp is kids' lives are changed. And then I was able to segue into Hey, every week we ask for your tithes and offerings. We couldn't do student camp without your tithes and offerings. We couldn't do this outreach event without your tithes and offerings. So you always share, share the why and the when and not just, hey, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Like if everything's awesome, then nothing's awesome. But if we share what the win is and why it's important, um, then it is, and also share vision. Don't just always share logistics. You know, if, you're, if, if I were to get up there and say, there will be a dodgeball event. It will be this Wednesday. It will be from 6 to 8 p.m. Food will be provided. 
they will play dodgeball. You should be there. <laughs> like people are not inspired by that, you know? Yeah. So you, you have to, you have to give them, you have to cast the vision of it, not just share details. Details aren't inspiring people, man. Yeah. That that's, yeah, that's so huge. I, I think like people need to, uh, people need to understand and feel something and they feel something when you connect it to a purposeful, why, like, why are we doing this? What's the outcome? And then I think a lot of times, and this is why I love that you mentioned connecting it to giving, we assume those dots are being connected and they're not always being connected. Uh, on the one hand, we're over here asking, Hey, you know, be obedient to God, give your tithes and offerings. And over here, we're, we're, announcing an event. And when you connect those two things together with a why and a vision, oh, okay. So now someone who has never considered giving before is all of a sudden going, well, I definitely want to give to that. I want to see my kids' lives changed. So yeah. that's huge. You have to, you have to be intentional about it. And, it. and it literally took me 10 moments of asking myself those questions, being intentional with that. And, and a lot of times uh, in churches and in our church in particular, we, we will talk about numbers. We will talk about attendance numbers, giving numbers, salvation numbers, baptism numbers, all those numbers. And sometimes uh, church people that attend church can get real kind of weird and turned off by numbers. And there are certain pastors that don't like to talk about numbers. Uh, our pastor is not shy about it. And he's, I heard this phrase like very early on when I started working here, I've never forgotten it because it makes so much sense. He says, Every number has a name and every name has a story is it takes it from this macro level of this many people. It's like, well, yeah, they're numbers, but guess what? That guy, that, that number, one of those numbers, his name is Lane and he's married and he's got four daughters and this is what he's going through. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So those numbers really do matter. They're a big deal. It's not something we just ignore. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like statistics, you know, if, if I were to say, uh, 10,000 people were displaced by a tornado that, that went through Oklahoma city, you'd say, okay, well, 10,000 people. If I said there was a family and they lost their home and there was a girl who lost her teddy bear and is devastated because that means so much more still one of 10,000. I want to, as and this has been, this has been so helpful. I want to get a little bit uh, personal as we're wrapping up here. And I want to tell uh, a story that you're going to know. So this was, this was nearly 20 years ago. This is how long we've been friends. We were in high school. That's, that's how old we are now, bro. We're old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, and, your, hairline, uh, your hairline looks better than mine. Uh, uh, well, uh, thanks. Um, but we were, there's, literally nothing either one of us did to cause that, but just the luck of the draw, I guess. Um, but, uh, we were, we, you, you had already entered into this, this ministry thing. You're, you're older than I am already talking about us kind of on your horizon. And I, for a number of reasons was very reluctant to, to entertain that idea, even though I very much knew this is what God wanted me to do. And one night we're hanging out, we're driving around in my 2000 or my, my 1986, my 1986 Mazda B2000 pickup. And, uh, and, and, you know, through the series of the conversation that we were having, you just flat out looked at me and said, are you running from a call to ministry? And, you know, you know, the story and I've told it many times, but for those listening, I literally, this was after two years of me avoiding this question, not wanting to talk about it. Um, my, my youth pastor gathered this group of kids who were 
called to ministry and he put me on the list just because he assumed I was, and I'd never said I was, I showed up to the meeting and said, I just want to let the record show I'm, I'm not, <laughs> you know, it was like such a threat because I was so afraid of it. And you saw that because we were such good friends and you just knew and, and you called me out on it. And that, that night I just made a decision. I was like, okay, like I'm, I was miserable trying to it was just hold this in. And so uh, we ended up driving around a little more until two or three in the morning. And then, um, and, and it hasn't been the same since. I mean, I, I went into ministry literally right then just, I was a senior in high school and I started trying to help, uh, lead Bible studies, you know, and do whatever I could then did internships. So really, truly, I ended up, you know, 20 years later where I am serving pastors and helping people with church leadership and doing consulting with churches because of the experience I had in ministry, which goes back to that conversation in your driveway in Mustang, right. Oklahoma, on a Saturday night at like two in the morning. So that's Sunday pretty night. cool. Sunday night. Was it Sunday night? It was a Sunday night. Because, yeah. because you had church camp the very next day. So yes, so many funny things about that story. If you don't, first off, the fact that I was a year older, it seems so inconsequential now at 37 <laughs> and 36, but when I, but I was a senior. You're a junior. I just graduated high school. I think I had just graduated. Yes. And this, it was the summer wisdom, before my senior year. This wisdom gap was just so much more. So that's funny. I, I can literally take zero credit for it. Sometimes uh, the Holy Spirit's prompting is just very evident. And it was just one of those moments where uh, I felt it. I said, yes, it was so cool to be a part of that moment, be a part of your story, um, because it's a testimony for both of us for the rest of our lives and uh, just being, just being open to the Holy spirit um, and, and being open to his promptings because man, just a single sentence uh, that I asked you a single question changed everything for you. Um, yeah. And it changed. And, it, and in turn, it changed everything for me because our, our friendship uh, has grown from that moment and our accountability and ministry has grown from that moment. I know I wouldn't be where I'm at um, without your friendship. And and now that we're yeah, again, 37 and 36, the, you know, the wisdom gap that was once there as a senior in high school and a freshman in college, it's, it's closed. Yeah. Uh, we, we are co-mutuals. Right. So. It's one thing to be 17, 18th of someone age, you know, but to be 36, 37th, of right. someone, it's a little closer but uh, yeah. no, I, what I, I what I love about that is uh, to this day, um, we still talk two or three times a week and exactly. probably more than I talk to just about any other friend I have. And it's just quick sometimes. But uh, when when you're in the thick of it, when I'm in the thick of it, you're always there for me. I'm always there for you. And it's and it's awesome. Sure. And I hope I hope the people listening uh, have those, have the, these kind of friendships. Cause they've, it's really gotten me through because there's been some tough times in ministry and, and otherwise, especially, especially in ministry. It's so important to have another friend in ministry that doesn't work at the church you work at so that yeah. you can literally be like, I can literally call you and say, Hey Lane, uh, I just need to gripe for a minute. And I just need you to listen. Or I can say, Hey Lane, I need perspective or Hey Lane, I don't need you to take my back on this. I need you to actually probably tell me if I'm being an idiot right now. Um, and so, and it's, it's also very unique for, and all the pastors are on here are going to totally get it. My wife can't be my only sounding board about ministering about church because that's her church. She doesn't work there. That's her church. 
And she needs to be able to love and respect and be on board with the vision of the church. And so there are some conversations that, that I have to go to you honestly first and process those before taking those to my family. And I know you've walked through that same thing. And so I, that's my encouragement for uh, your listeners and your viewers is to, to have that, not, not necessarily accountability, but just a friend in ministry yeah. that you can be real with. Yeah, I think I think everybody needs somebody that they trust well enough to be open and honest, especially in today's culture where everyone is just cautious. They have you have to be cautious about everything you say, every post you like on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. To have a friend that you can just say, "This is what I'm feeling." It may be right, maybe wrong, maybe indifferent, but this is what I'm feeling in this moment, and know that they're not going to not be they're not going to cancel your friendship. They're not going to go, they're not going to go tell on you. They're just going to be a friend. They're going to listen. They're going to give you wisdom. They're going to give you insight. They're going to pray for you. They're going to laugh. They're going to, they're going to weep. They're going to mourn all that stuff with you. And that's, that, that's a huge, huge thing. Uh, this has been awesome. Where can people find more out about you and connect with you on the socials? So uh, I have social media. I've got Facebook. I've got, I've got Instagram. I, I, I'm super into them. And so at the beginning of this year, the Lord asked me to, to not be so into them. So I'm literally, I haven't been on this year there. I'm out there, Jameson Reynolds. Uh, you can, if you can see how to spell my name from the show notes on this, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm on Facebook. Really. I think the best place you can find me is our church. We've got, we've got an awesome Instagram account. You can see the cool stuff that our church is doing battle Creek church. We've got Facebook, we've got YouTube. So I would recommend go to our church's YouTube page, go to our church's Instagram account. And we, we post full services every week, um, for our, on our YouTube page. And so, um, every now and then you'll see me leading worship there. You'll get to hear from our senior pastor, uh, Alex Amaya. And, um, he's awesome. You'll, you, your listeners, your view, will, your viewers will learn from him. Um, and so our YouTube battle Creek church, uh, Instagram battle Creek church, check those out. Yeah. I, I definitely second that Alex is a phenomenal communicator excellent teacher, very knowledgeable. I will also say that you are a incredibly skilled worship pastor. And when you lead and the, I I've told this before, but for anybody who just wants a really good worship set, go check out what they're doing at battle Creek, because it's, it's well done. I mean, it's very excellent and it's, it's just, it's what it's supposed to be. So good work. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. I am ready for us to branch out and start our own side side podcast I haven't, I haven't come up with a name yet but we're, we can start one because this was awesome this <laughs> flew by yeah i'm down man let's do it cool hope you enjoyed that interview with jameson he is a great friend of mine i really appreciate you listening to that conversation because so much of it was not just about ministry and how to's and tactics but a lot of it was about our friendship and the history there so I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope that you will go check out all that Jameson is doing over at Battle Creek, and their, not only their worship sets, but also the sermons that they are putting out. Really, really good, high-quality stuff. Definitely go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. Pick up your guide to killer sermons there, and I will see you in the next episode. Until then, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you, and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here on the Preaching Donkey podcast.